Today's episode is sponsored by 460 Nature Reserve, a brand with a purpose. If posed with fruit, 460 would be in the organic section. It's nutrition, not just food. So when you say you regret those things, did you ever have a conversation with the mother of your child about that, like those regrets? Do you ever did you ever share that? Did you ever speak to anyone about that? Yeah, moment? I mean, I've, 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 I've said it plenty of times as well. It's like, I have so much time for single mothers. So why am I going to be in your car? We get pulled by police. Next thing, oh yeah, I'm in prison because there was something in your car and you didn't want to admit that it was yours. Now I can't snitch because that's the rules that we, we lead by. I must now go and sit in jail. So I take myself away from people I don't need to be around. Women play a minuscule part in how guys behave. They love a bad boy. 100%. They love a bad boy. Am I right? She smiles. <laughs> and the way it is, I always, I, always, I always say this, right? There'll be a, a kid who's he's smart, he's clever, good looking, but he's not on crud. He's not on nothing. Just... Yeah. Hey guys, Charlie here, LITC Podcast, LITC Media. We've got another podcast coming up. What I need from you guys, I really need from you guys, is to like, subscribe. Like, subscribe. I think there should be some sort of thing coming up here for telling you to like and subscribe. But if you can do that, it'll really help us grow our following along our journey. All right, here we have Bobby Kasanga. What's going on, bro? It's episode, what is it, Ava? Episode 13, LITC podcast, LITC media. You know what? Usually I do this. We start a certain way, but... Obviously, like I'm, I suppose when it comes to this podcast thing, you're the you're the, you're the upper echelon. So it's an honour to have you in here, bro. Um, nah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, yeah. So the way we usually like to start is by looking at a piece of art. Okay. So and just literally looking at that piece of art and just tell me what it says to you. That looks witchcrafty, you know. I can't even lie. Yeah. It could be. I don't know. It looks like someone's in a ritual. That black thing could be like a fox or a black fox, a black wolf. Or the background as if they're in, in, in a fire, they're dancing around a fire. It could be Africa, tribal, there's arrows. It could even look like hell. Well, why did you say hell? What, the red? The, the red background, the fiery background, the kind of demonic figure, we could, we, we, we could kind of say. But I don't know. It, it could be a kid's <laughs> party. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, what? we've had like similar, we've had similar people say similar things. We've been using this. Um, this art for quite some time, but I remember yeah. we had one guy, and I was like, "Oh, it seems a bit dark." Mm. Like, do you know what I mean, Mitchell? And he was like, "Well, why is that then?" And mm. he said, "To me, it looks normal." Like, he said, "I grew up in Nigeria, so I used to see this all the time." Okay. So for me, it just seems, seems like party. Do you know what I mean? But you know, like being over here, sometimes we might have a different Western view. Western yeah. mind. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah, so that's generally like the way we like to start. Like, okay. Just try and take you somewhere else with it, but obviously this is about you, and we want to know about Bobby Kasanga. We want to know about going back to the beginning, where you grew up, how you grew up, siblings, all of that sort of stuff. Like, what's made you, led you to the path that you're on now, basically? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, grew up in Congo uh, until I was three. That's why I was born. Came over here in 1989. We lived in Dulwich first, so I was living with my uncle and auntie, who I still consider my mum and dad because yeah. they raised me from such a young age. And with my cousins, which I still Where were your mum and dad? They were back home, oh, back home. So my dad uh, used to actually be in the military over here in the UK. He used to be at Royal, the Royal um, 
military at Sandhurst, so where all the rural yeah, go. Yeah, so yeah. He, he he studied over there, got his qualification, everything over there. But he was a businessman. He, he worked quite, in banking. Quite strict. Not strict. No, not, not strict. But he was he was a money man. Yeah, yeah. He was a money man back home. Yeah. And obviously, um, sent me to come over here to live with my uncle and auntie. So as opportunities going to live in Britain. Maybe first moved to Dulwich, and then when it was maybe when I was maybe five, we moved to uh, the Gloucester Estate in Peckham. My dad, because he's a businessman, used to fly back and forth to the UK okay. all the time. Mm-hmm. Where my mum like came on a couple of holidays, mm-hmm. but I always knew that yeah, that's my mum and dad. Mm-hmm. And okay. but I still treated my uncle and I like yeah, when they could they, they yeah, raised yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So, right, so you moved to Gloucester Estate. Yeah. Yeah. What was what was that like? How... Gloucester Estate was fun for me, man. For me, it was fun. Um, I remember just playing downstairs. Obviously, later on, when you look at it, you think, wow, we live yeah. in a dangerous place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was so young, I just remember riding bikes, playing football, doing cartwheels, whatever. And I remember downstairs, we used to look around, all the cooler, older kids used to be downstairs. But for us, just about having fun. And I, I used to walk to school, I used to go to Brunswick Park Primary School in Canberra. And yeah, it was, it was, it was just fun. Um, only when I guess uh, we... We left Gloucester in '97, December. You of say 97. we. So who was there? Me, my my brother, well, my cousin, my brother Carly, my younger brother Gervais, our younger sister Catherine was just born, and the older brother Oz plus mum and dad. So six of us in the family. Six of me, yeah. So we moved to uh, they moved us to the house in Justin Street in Peckham, and then Gloucester Estate got um, knocked down. Yeah, yeah, I remember when Gloucester got knocked down. So all right, so you you're there, you're playing out. What what was it like them times? Because you're saying it was fun, like, and obviously. You hear like, oh, Gloucester is quite infamous and yeah. a lot of trouble and whatnot. But for you, it was just a time to just play out. Yeah, honestly, it was. It's only until later on I looked at the research and looked back yeah. and they're like, wow, is this where I was yeah, actually yeah, living? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But at the time, it never really hit you. I think it really hit me most about after Demnola Taylor died. Mm. It's like, wow, there's more stuff in the news about the estate and about the history of it and why it got knocked down originally because this North Peckham part of the estate was still there. So, but growing up, literally, and I think it happens with a lot of young kids right now, they're oblivious to what's going on. They're oblivious to the drug dealing. They're oblivious to the gang fights and the shooting. Yeah. They're just going outside, Mom, can I go and play football? You got to yeah, play football. The guy over there, he's got a gun, but you don't know because you're not seeing it. All you're doing is going to play football. Mm-hmm. As you get older, I always tell you the biggest transition is when you go from year six to year seven. Because year six, you're king of the jungle. You're just playing yeah, yeah, football. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you go to year seven, all of a sudden you're now mixing with the year 11s, yeah, you're the older kids. Older, yeah, and yeah. you want to try and impress them and be cool like yeah. them. And that's where the biggest transition happens. Yeah, you know what's funny? Because even the other day you're saying that, yeah, like literally this weekend, I was chatting to my daughter. So she's in, yeah, she's the last year. So she's year six. Yeah. And she was like, oh, my friend's the oldest in the whole school. <laughs> but like, obviously they're kids, in it? So I'm just laughing what the oldest in the whole school. But like you say, you're the king of the jungle yeah. when you're in that age. But now you're going into people. I remember, like, you start school and, like, you're like, oh, this guy's you're small and this guy's at six foot two. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? You're like, what is this? So it definitely makes sense. But you said about you used to go to Brunswick and you was, like, in Gloucester. Yeah. So what did you used to walk to school? Huh? Yeah, we used to walk to school. It was, it was like, maybe a 15-minute walk, 20-minute yeah. walk. Brun- who, who was walking? Um, originally, I walked with my brother. Yeah. Then when he went to year year seven, from year five to year six, I'd be doing that walk by myself. But... You think it's far, but Gloucester's was so massive yeah, yeah, that the yeah, edge yeah. of it, if you go around the back of towards Southampton Way, Brunswick Park was just there, so it but, wasn't too bad. You know what I'm trying to get at? Have you got any little, have you got a kid? You got yeah. Kids, yeah. Uh, would, would we now let Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, like I would, times change, isn't Yeah, it? I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, um, allow my daughter's just gone to year nine. 
and it's only from year eight we start letting her sort of travel yeah. further along to like so now because she lives out in in um sort of Hornchurch area yeah, yeah. so now she might travel to me in South London yeah. or travel and now she's got a phone we can call yeah. but when she was in year five or six now nah, that, that, that and why would it now times have changed times have changed and, and we don't know why times have changed we don't know what's made things a bit more dangerous but it's just that like, perception has changed now I think we're, we're more fearful whereas back then they're like go and play out hang out people used to climb trees now there's health and safety yeah, yeah, yeah. you see it in schools a lot of school cancel sports days so there's yeah. a lot of red tape around things now so I think society's made us overly cautious sometimes yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head when you said perception because I don't think there's more probably there's I don't know statistics will say let me not just say that like that but there probably isn't more happening to young people then when we were growing up to there is now yeah. but like you say the whole perception the whole thing of all the red tape it mm. puts you in that bit of fear yeah. like, do you know what I mean and I think technology also plays a part because whereas we, we didn't have we had a game where and you, you, you had to play that kind of indoors or because you, you don't get stolen yeah. or anything but now everyone wants to be inside because everyone wants to be on the phone everyone wants to be online whereas before we didn't have those things so you couldn't yeah. wait to go out if you saw your friends playing out you don't want to stay at home now yeah, yeah, yeah. your friends are playing out you're happy to be in your yeah. house going on social media yeah. so that's what's changed about society a lot and, and I think like touching on that point that's the community your community is that social media yeah. you've got your friends and all of that that's your community that's mm. where you play outside yeah. whereas we used to play outside like active do you know what I mean and then I suppose for me this is what I was saying to my daughter the other day I said, but you don't know how to climb, or you don't know how to do this. Said, yes, I do, Daddy. And she's like, you're big. You don't know how to climb. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, but you're good at roadblocks. That's mm. where you do your climbing and grading. Yeah. You know I mean? So yeah, I definitely see that parallel there. So yeah, so you said you started, you was traveling, going to school. You go second, what secondary school did you go? Went to Warwick Park. Warwick Park. Uh, called uh, I think the Harris Academy yeah, Peckham now. now. But yeah. Um, again, didn't really know uh, the reputation of that school really. Yeah. But I kind of was getting a gist of it because my brother will come back home and tell me all these mad stories of yeah. and naming all these Peckham boys and the yeah. gangs and he'll yeah. come back and say this name and that name. And you kind of, oh, it all sounds cool, it sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a massive fight and you're like, oh, when I go there, but I was a massive football head. Football was my, yeah. uh, my dream and aspiration. So that's kind of, from year seven to year eight, that's what my concentration was on. So Warwick Park, now Harris Academy. Yeah, so it's Warwick Park, top set. Um, in school, quite intelligent. Um, what position do you used to play? Oh, but football-wise, at those days, I was midfield, man. Yeah. That's what Peckham Sedan, man. Yeah, like, this guy. Well, but was you, was you tall from back then, though? Yeah, I don't remember even that tall. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think my growth spurt happened maybe year 11. Yeah, I think okay. I was sort of average height yeah, yeah, okay. all the time, but I was a baller. Yeah, I was midfield, a yeah. baller. I, who, like, who was your age group, like, from the ends that, that used to play? Was Turner and them not your age group? Yeah, I, Turner was... Remember, Turner's a year older than me. Yeah. And my brother's two years older than me. Yeah, yeah. So in year six, when my brother's in year six, yeah. I'm playing for the year six team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm playing two years above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when my brother's left and Turner's in year six, right? Yeah. I'm playing for South London in year five. Okay. So yeah. Cherno's team. So we had Cherno, Dean Lodge, Nietzsche. He was in my team as well. So I was a baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. You're like, well, carry on with the year. So yeah, but year seven, year eight, you're on football. You're at work. Year park. seven, year eight, I'm on football. Really and truly, I shouldn't have gone to work park. I should have gone to Wolf Road. Uh, it's not Wolf Road. I should have gone to St. Thomas. Because my teacher, the, the head of, of South London, the, um, who's my primary school, Mr. Underwood, my primary school teacher at Brunswick Park, he left Brunswick Park to go to St. Thomas. Yeah. So everyone's going to St. Thomas. So we're part of the tell us when the trials were. Like so I missed the trials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so I missed the trials. When I missed the trials, 
I guess I think I was just so cocky in my head, like, yeah, everyone told me I'm going to make it. Someone's going to spot me. But he's not even playing for a team. I was playing for the school team and yeah. playing locally, yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking that someone's going to come. And, yeah. It wasn't until later on, I'm like, right, I actually need to go and go to a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the time I was doing that, that's when the road team was kind of mm. in me already. Okay, so what? When you say the road thing was in you, what? Where where would that, where did that come from? Where was the influence with that? That was even by chance. I mean, I used to see these people all the time, and and they're thinking, how can I infiltrate? How can I get in there? You see them, you think, yeah, them are not cool, but like, obviously, my brother's got a name by this time, and I'm just like his younger brother. Where kind of few people know me. It was an incident where I was walking home, one of the the, the guys who became a friend tried to rub me for my brother's hat. I had my brother's hat, and so I, I was fourteen. Okay. And someone said, bro, now we're doing, that's Carly, brother. Went, oh, not my buddy, even know, man, you're one of us. Literally, then every day I'm hanging out with him. Yeah. After he said I'm one of us, and literally, yeah. got, and it was, it was petty things at the beginning, just like we're going to barrel peds, uh, going to Chocadero, street robberies, those little minor things. And you know, when you, once you're kind of involved, things escalate, someone will come to you with something else. Was you still like, was you bunking in school? Was you going to school? No, no, I was still going to school. school I, I love school, but the only why I like school, because also there's a girl that I liked and she liked me, was going out. Yeah, so yeah. I enjoyed being at school yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it was more so just out of school, what I'd be getting up to. In school, I'd be behaving. You said you was doing that. Some petty things and whatnot. Yeah, it was doing street robbery. You just go Chocadero, West End. Chocadero's not about no more. Yeah, yeah. So you just go robbing people. And at, at the beginning, like, I don't feel I was ever cut out to be a criminal. When you say robbing people, like, how? What do you mean? Like, just going yeah, what phone you got? Yeah, well, 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 let me see. Uh, what's your pockets? What people? Don't lie to me. Like, people that look like me, people that don't look like so me. So people of your age. People of our age, yeah, and so on. But I was never cut out to be a criminal. I wasn't convincing, if that makes sense. It's like, everyone said, let's do robbery. I would have felt like, God, I don't want to do this. Don't do this, man. You guys are, but why are you guys rubbing people's phones, man? That's wrong. Oh, they're like, oh, shut up. If you don't want to come, don't come. But it's the fear of missing out. So you go with them. Yeah. And then when everyone's rubbed their phones, you didn't participate. Yeah. They're going to sell them. They've got 80 pounds in their pocket, 100 pounds in their pocket. They're going JDs, bought a couple of trainers. You're yeah. looking at your trainers, thinking, oh. peer pressure. Yeah. Peer pressure is the biggest influence on children's lives. And how old was you them times when these things were happening? 14, 15. And I tell people all the time, parents, you think you've got a big influence on your child, you do. Teachers think you've got a big influence on your child, you do. Sports club, you do. No one's got a bigger influence than your peers. Yeah. How many times did your friend say, yo, your, your parents said come home at eight o'clock, your parents, your, your parents are like, it's that till nine, man, we're staying out. And you disobey your parents, yeah. the ones who feed you, the yeah. ones who look after you, the one whose home you live in, you disobey them. For your yeah. peers, yeah. that is the biggest influence on children. Hundred percent. So it's like, yeah. So we're doing all those things, and remember, first time I got arrested, I got a beating in my life. I took my mom, took my phone, and then after that, it was like, you know what? Yeah, this is kind of long. This is kind of long. I tried to get back into concentrating on my schools. Done GCSEs, done all right. I got um, I got nine ATCs. Applied to go to Richmond College. Yeah. And then at that point, I got back to my football playing for Fisher Athletic. Okay, yeah. But then I got into a big bust up at home. So, you know what? Get this. I'm leaving home. So, age 17, I left home. And that was real, the real turning well, point. I'm going to something. Wait, before you stay at that point, the real turning point. But there was the household strict, though, like when you say out of school. Because what I find is growing up, like African parents, to my knowledge, were much stricter than like a West Indian counter. Yeah, bars. yeah. So what was it like? Would you say it was quite easy? Really? No, no, no. My parents were strict, man. It was, it was, it was, it was hard going out sometimes. Like, Can we go out? No. Yeah. Why? 
Don't ask us why you're not yeah, going yeah, out. Yeah. But you think it's unfair. Yeah. So you put that sometimes we jump out the window to sneak out. To sneak out. But it was a thing that where they were strict, but they were rightfully strict because we wasn't always the best behaved in regards to following boundaries. So, okay, come home at eight o'clock. Yeah. We're coming home at midnight. Yeah, so yeah. when you're doing that, you're not trusted to be out again. So things yeah. like that. Yeah. So, what, so, all right, so what would be typically like, all right, so come home at eight, you get home at 10. What's happening? What is it? Oh, you beating? get beats, man. You get yeah, beats, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Straight beats. And the thing is, I look, I look, I look back fondly on beats. Yeah, yeah. But do you think that's a bit... Because I say that, yeah, and like, you know, like when I... Well, you know what I'm talking about. When I talk to certain people, they're like, Right now, like, me, I got two girls, yeah. right? I can never hit my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. never hit my kids. Yeah. Cause we live in different society, but also I look at them and thinking, nah, that yeah. that she done something wrong, tell them off, and that's about it. Yeah. But I can never condemn my parents for doing what they've done, because that's what they knew, that's what they, they grew up doing. And people can say, well, the kids the kids of today are running wild, there's no discipline, but even with the discipline we got given back in the day, people were still running wild. But do you think that it's wrong that I'm saying to discipline kids in the way we were disciplined? Do you think it's generally wrong? Um, I'll say each of their own. Yeah. I'll say each parent um, has their own method. I personally wouldn't do it. But if someone told me, you know what, you this that? person was misbehaving, I gave him some licks, oh, that's how you do your thing. And, do you, and the second part of that question is, do you think because of some of those things that we would get, like those beatings, that's maybe made us a certain way, like a bit more aggressive. Oh, that, that's 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 a good question. That's a good question. It could, you know, because because mm. we we oh, it's only now really people are, like twenty years, twenty five years that people are talking about childhood traumas, mm. whereas these these sort of things weren't ever discussed before. People say mm. how things that happened to you years back, how it can affect you in your adult mm. life. My partner always told me, like, oh, you've been in prison such a long time. It's why sometimes you get angry, or sometimes why. You, you become stubborn or why time. So it's like, we don't quite understand it. So for me, I definitely recommend people to try and do counseling, mm-hmm. talking to people, talking to friends. We don't talk. We encourage them to talk. We're embarrassed to talk. We think like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't, I can't tell my bitch this. He'll, be, he'll laugh at me. But he might be going through the same thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, in, in a sense, it, 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 I don't know what effects it had, but it could have, it may have had an effect. Yeah. yeah. No, because I, I look at it and I feel like, I look at my own path and I feel like anytime I've ever done anything aggressive like that, it's been out of anger. Mm. Like, it hasn't been nothing else because I'm angry, so it's like, I'm going to attack. Do you mm. know what I mean? And then I feel like, even if I was to discipline my child, they're not going to discipline me. I love them. But it's out of anger. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? So then I think that does transmit. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But then I'm like you in terms of, I actually look back funny and say, nah, I used to get beats. And then yeah. I like to tell my daughter, you're lucky. Yeah. You know what I used to get? And she's like, grandma, did you really? And then yeah. my mum's got amnesia. Mm. And she's like, I never used to do that to you. It wasn't like that. Mm. I'm like, yeah, you did, mate. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, like, Go and get the weapon, like you know, like yeah, your mom's like, it's psychological on, like, warfare. Yeah, they're actually bro. telling you to go and get the belt, yeah, <laughs> and you're looking like, at the belt, thinking, which one should I get? But it yeah. all fit. <laughs> you try and get the, the thing you wanted, like, no, nah, no, nah, go and get the other one. <laughs> you know, and that's psychological warfare because at the end of the day, if you're gonna beat me, do it yourself. Mm. You can't get your own tools, like, do you know what I mean? But, yeah, that's one of them ones. But yeah, so we're saying so. So basically, like, cool. So you was at that point. You said the turning point. Yeah. So the turning point, I left. Um, I left. Um, home i went um to live with my my, my, my dad's my 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 stepmom and my dad's house in canning town was there for a little while i was at richmond college and 
the journey from East London to Richmond College. So you was in East? So yeah, you, I was in East. When you left, you went Yeah, I went to Kenningtown. Yeah, okay. So I was going to Richmond Pontum College, studying for four A-levels. Then I was working part-time at Peacocks, playing football for Fisher Athletics. And then I started, started a, a little uh, food line. I was, I was shooting, shooting a bit of crow. But it took its toll. I'm 17, doing all these things. And I remember then my, one of my brothers had a, a housing store unit they've lived in. One day I packed my stuff. I said, I'm going to live by myself. So I went in there and I became independent. So doing all those things, but it took its toll. At 17, trying to do all of that. In the end, college had to go. So I quit college. Then so I, you, don't, you didn't really have support at that time? Yeah, I didn't have no support. Like I was fending for myself, basically. So like college, going to football, paying my bills, like everything for myself. Were you talking to the family at that time? Yes and no. Like it's like there was conversation, but no one, no one's like it's like okay, you wanna you wanna you wanna learn the hard way, go on and it's tough love. Yeah, yeah. Is that like yeah. you think you think you're a big man, go and be a big man then? So I had to grind it out, and I think that's the that's the point that really that was a turning point for me in regards to becoming transition and, and defending for yourself and being a man. And then of course when you kind of started needing money, the crime escalated. And these times you was off end, so you was over like you was over. I was in East London, and oh, Hackney. Hackney. I went to move to Cannington and, and then to Hackney. And what was that like? Just at that age, or was it just like, uh, normal to get my stride? Or you know, coming from where we're coming from, yeah. South's very different mm. from like East yeah. North, and especially at that age, yeah. like everywhere seems completely different from what you know. What was that yeah, like? I think the 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 thing is that Hackney is dangerous, just as Peckham was, just as Cannington was, right? But I think. Obviously, a few people knew me in Cannon Town because I was going there back and forth when I was a kid. In Hackney, no one knew me. And it was easy to just cut through. Whereas, if you're involved, you know all the passage, you know all the beef, you know. So, when I started my line in Hackney, I had my few little clients, and that's what I had. I wasn't troubling no one. My clients would come to me. Obviously, they had their old, their, their other dealers as well, but like, I was trying to cheapen my quality. So, I had about five or six, and it was cool for me. So, I. Then it escalated to to being white. But what I'm trying to say is that no one knew me, so no one troubled me. I just cut through and went to college, came back, opened my line again. So it was easy for me. Whereas in Peckham, I'll be looking over my shoulder because it's a bit more dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By this point as well. People know you, and know who you are, know your family. Yeah. Are. We all know each other's yeah. business, innit? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then obviously we're doing that for a few years, and then by the time like hit like 19, then my brother got into madnesses in Peckham, so you, everything turned kind of wild. So it was like looking over your shoulder, picking this, picking that. Um, what did you see at the time when you was up there in East? Were you still like, so was you still like seeing your lot? like like Yeah, I'll like come back to Woolly. So I, I did, yeah. at this point, I was hanging around in Woolly Road a lot. So I always I was always in Woolly Road with my lot all the time. Yeah. So I'll yeah. be in Hackney during the daytime, I'll go to, to uh, Woolly Road and then go back again. So yeah. I was... I was seeing people every now and then, yeah. and obviously, but I was doing most of my crime with the Mandem East yeah. in Cannon Town area. Yeah, so you said that it advanced, so you've gone from doing Crow and it advanced. Like, what was it like? Just the, I want more money. What was, what's, what took yeah, because at this point, I'm trying to play football against, so I've signed for Ilford and I'm playing football. And then it started for the pro game, you know, I played Pro Evolution, my brethren. <laughs> and, uh, he must have, there's some girl from, from uh, a girl, woman that she's older than me from Leicester was coming down and I had my bit of money that I had that I'm going to entertain them with, maybe get some food, watch it. Guys. Go into his eyes now. We're playing pro. Mama took all the money. Like, yeah, yeah it took all the money. I'm like, all right, cool. Give me back the money. I'll give you something at the end of the month when I get paid. And he's like, no. I'm like, all right, give me back cab money at least. Yeah. No. 
Give me back bus money. You know, I had to bump the bus. Yeah, yeah. I had to bump the bus. And when you got girls coming down. Yeah, in the yeah. end, I had to go to my mum's as I lived in Hackney as well. My biological mum. By this point, she come to the UK. Yeah. I said, mum, lend me some money. <laughs> so she came down anyway. So, like a few days later, he went to go and buy a car, innit? Mm. So we're playing pro again. So I want all the money off him to buy his car. Yeah. He's like, yo, get, run me back a bit for the. I said, you made me catch a bus the other day. I had to bump the bus the other day. Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. mad. And then what happened next was um, he told me I got a move. Do you give me the money? I got a move. I said, go and do your move. I'm not interested in your move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I forgot he done the move. The following week I've gone there and we're playing pro and he's won the money back. He's like, you know what? Keep your money. You champ change. I don't need it. I'm like, huh? Yeah, so yeah, like, nah, what's going on? Ah, I, I took it back then. Yeah, yeah. Then he went underneath the bed and pulled out a PSP box. He had grand, grand, 10 grand. I've never seen 10 grand in cash yeah, ever in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, rah. So, so what did you do? He said, cash boxes. I said, don't. He said, yeah. yeah. I said, okay, bring me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then You're seeing real money now, so you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So what, the alone was just there, straight, like nothing. You're, you're seeing 10,000 pounds yeah. in cash with yeah. 18 years old. Yeah. It's like, but was, was, there any, was there any like, yeah, all right, but I might end up in the bin for this? Nah, I'm excited, man. I didn't even cross your mind. I'm ex- nah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. When's the next one? Let's, let's yeah. do this, so, yeah. yeah. And then what, to go on? So then, so what, did you get go on a move? Yeah, then I went on a move. That's what I started doing, non-stop, non-stop. And then obviously in... So cash boxes. Anyone that don't know, what's a cash box? It's a security van. So you know them people who walk around in big helmets and they carry the briefcase into banks with the money and that. So that's who was dribbling at the time. It used to be easy those days. Don't do it now, kids. They're going to catch you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're going to so catch like, you. Obviously, they'll say like, all right, so you get, you get it. But then everyone will be like, nah, but there's die. So how'd you get around the die? Those days it was easy. The, the first box they had was hammer and chisel. Yeah. So basically, you bust it open while you're driving. So someone's driving, and then someone else will sit on the sit on the box, get your hammer and chisel, knock off the hinges. Then on three, one, two, three, pull it open. The die goes everywhere. You just take out the cash. Or someone as someone opens the thing, and the other person grabs the cash. That die everywhere. Throw the box at the car. Keep it moving. Was there was there times when the die went on the money? Yeah, but we, we knew how to wash them. Yeah, oh, so you know how to wash them. We knew them. how to wash them, so yeah. So, yeah. so whenever people had uh, die, I'll buy it off for them half price because I knew how I was, was going to wash yeah, them, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so cool. So you're doing it. So what are you doing? You're getting this money, but you're doing it quite regular? Regular, and the thing is you're not saving because yeah. like now I, I, was, I was a man that would go to JD, might go to oh, a yeah, top yeah. shop. Yeah. But now I'm going to Harrods, I'm going to yeah. Selfridges, I'm going to, yeah. like, before you know, all the money's gone. Mm-hmm. Everything just mm-hmm. on new outfits. Then you're going to club. I don't drink. But I'm buying bottles yeah, yeah, just because yeah. you want to keep up yeah, the facades yeah, and yeah. so on. And then when I get a lit, but money's gone. I oh, know. We're doing another one. We got another, there's another one planned on Friday. There's a Sainsbury's. Oh, oh, there's a BP. Oh, there's a whatever it is. We got mm-hmm. one lined up. That's how it was living from day to day, day to day, day to day, day to day. And then in seven, one of my brethren's, um, they were planning one. Ended up doing one. They got um. He ended up getting killed from the back of doing one. And then all after that, everything just... What do you mean he ended up getting killed from the actual... So they've, they've, done, they've done a robbery and then obviously people are arguing over the proceeds of the, of the money. And then he's ended up getting killed after one, one yeah. of the other, other guys have stabbed him. From the back of that, um, I get arrested a couple of days later because one of the people that ended up doing that, that one of his brothers' younger brother got killed. Then I was arrested for murder at the time, and nothing to do with me. But also, because I'm thinking, now nah, that's your brethren. Like the, all the brothers convinced that it was me. All right. So, like, so when this has happened now, 
you know, the money, you're getting the money, you're living, you're enjoying yourself. But now it's gone to a point where a move's happened, someone's ended up getting killed because of the move. The move. How are you feeling at that time? Because obviously, I assume your friends are all sad. Yeah, yeah I was. So how's that I, making you feel? But the guy who was cool was my closest friend. The others weren't really my friends like that. So I'm okay. distraught. Okay. I'm like, rah, you guys killed my bridge. Nah, that's mad. And then obviously, what made sense to the police and the brother was like, a couple of days later, one of the guys' younger brothers being killed. So they figure, wait a minute, you're his vision. You're always with him. This is what happened. So you're involved. It had nothing to do with me. But, but I, what I'm asking, what I'm trying to ask is, because I think sometimes we, we skip over these things. What's the feeling going on with you? Oh, I'm distraught. I'm hard, bro. I'm, like, I'm saying, what's the feeling? Are you thinking, no, you know what? I'm, I'm riding for my bridge. No, no, I'm, 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 what's I'm, all the sort of things that were going through your head I, at the I'm, time? I'm, I'm heartbroken. I'm not stop, stopping crying. I'm crying all the time. Wake up in the morning crying. You, you go to sleep. You're actually forgetting that this even happened. You wake up and remember, oh my God, this is not in a dream. Mom is really dead. I'm not thinking of uh, riding because at, at this point, mm. the person that done it has handed himself in. So I'm not thinking anything of it. But I didn't know those other counterparts to it of where the money apparently was and so on and who had it and so on. So I, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just thinking, okay, my brother's dead. I've gone to visit his mum and I'm just distraught. I'm thinking, rah, that's just mad how that's happened sort of thing. So revenge ain't even on my mind. Because mm. as far as I can say, the person who's done it has handed himself in now. Obviously, a couple of days later, things have escalated and then the young boy got killed in his bed. Mad. And then you said that you've, then they've come and grabbed you. Yeah. And then they basically tried to charge you with that. They didn't charge me, but yeah. it was watching me. They were seeing, okay, what's going on here? And then it got to the point that where, obviously, eventually when they've done all their due course and they realised, oh, you're not involved. They, so they, did they, they try and nick you? Did they, so did they try and nick you? Yeah, they, I, got, I got nicked for it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then what, what happened with, like, you got nicked? Did they bail you? What happened? So I got bailed after two days. Um, originally tried and arrested me. Then while I was in the train station, Flying Squad came and arrested me as well. So at that point, I was, it was Peter. I mean, that's what Flying Squad. But trying I'm like, no, it's not me. Got nothing to do with me. But when Flying Squad is like, oh, shit. Okay, like, this is kind of mad. But then even when I've done the interview, like, it was a say no comment. But I'm like, yeah, I wasn't there. Like, when they're telling me the robberies, I'm like, mm, I went at that robbery. What day? What day? What? Huh? I was at football. So football was always my alibi because I was at football the times they were talking about. So, and I wasn't doing moves with the man in Peckham. I was doing moves with the guys in East. So when they bring all these, I'm like, mm, yeah, that's to do with me. Obviously, they let man go. But at that point, you're so used to making that money. Instead of just chilling, three, four weeks later, I'm back out doing the robberies again and then I get nicked. Alright, so, and how old are you at this time? I was 20. 20. Yeah. So you get nicked what, for, the, for a box? For a box, but then obviously they start doing an investigation, sell site, start linking my phone to bear other robberies, that was all other places, and in the end, yeah, went to jail. Yeah, and what, you got sent? Yeah. So originally it was five to two and a half, but then while I was in there, they... I came towards the end of my sentence, got out, but then they started investigating other cases and then I got caught with another move and then sent straight back in. So basically, i done a total of eight years. So from yeah. from 2007, 2015. Yeah. In jail, yeah. All right, all right we're, we're going we're gonna to get to that point. So at that point, right, I'm going to ask you a question. What would you say to the younger you at that point? Like, I would say everything that I've done now. I've done to... I would have told my younger self that, but what I would have told my younger self after I originally got arrested for the murder and the boxes was like, you know what? 
You just made your debut the other day. Forget all these things. Because that weekend my Belgium got killed, I just made my debut for Ashford Town against uh, Folkson in the Ram and Prem. So it's like I'm a 20-year-old striker banging in goals and I've just been signed to a new club. The only way is up. So what, um, so like growing up, would you say at that age, did you have any role models? And if so, who were your role models? Oh, if I'm honest, I didn't have like, there was, there was people, there was like, big up all um, Kamala and that who used to run um, Bethlehem Football Club. Mm. They took us under their wings for a little while and, and done what they could, but I was just on the football side of the way. I was just trying to go back to kickball, but there wasn't someone saying, you know what, my man's moving correctly, doing everything legitimately. I'm going to try and be like him. There wasn't no one like that because I aspire to be like the people that's making money on the roads. And that's what it is. I think nowadays we champion the wrong things. We champion the bad boys. We champion the the, the, the drug dealers. And, and I also I, I joke about this a lot, right? And we've got, we've got a, a, a woman in here, right? Yeah. I joke about this a lot. I say sometimes also, it's a minuscule part, but women play a minuscule part in how guys behave. They love a bad boy. 100%. They love a bad boy. Am I right? She smiles. <laughs> and the way it is, I always, I, always, I always say this, right? There'll be a, a kid who's he's smart, he's clever, good looking, but he's not on crud. He's not on nothing. Just yeah. They don't like him. Yeah, they yeah, like yeah. the one who's causing trouble, yeah, who's yeah, a bit yeah, rough yeah, on yeah, the edge. Yeah, and then when, when the, the good kids see him, they're like, oh, yeah, that's what they like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like that too. And then before you know it, my man's turned into a madman. Mm-hmm. And that, that plays a part as well that it's, it's hardly spoken yeah. about. When you look back at that, how does that make you feel actually thinking, well, actually yeah, it's mad, it's mad. And that's why, why it's so key for me for doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I feel like, well, where would where, where? people like me but and people like, sad, yeah, isn't it? like yeah. you think, I'm all growing up, like, and I can't really say, and don't you know, some people think, oh, well, I was positive in your life, mm-hmm. but you can't really sit down there and say, yeah, I had yeah. You know, maybe one or two. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, I wouldn't say there's someone that, you know, I'm going to be like him, he's teaching me the right thing. There wasn't yeah. no one like that. So when you look back, you feel like, well, it was mad. There wasn't nowhere really. I could say my dad, I could say my uncle, but they were just doing what they were doing. They were just working and yeah. I aspired to do more and be more sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's sad when you look back at it, yeah. Yeah, and like just going off of it a little bit, have you got a, when we're talking about role models and things like that, have you got a, a favourite quote? Well, I've got, I got a few. I've got give a few. Me, give me one or two. So um, first one is, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Okay. Expand on that a bit. So basically, if, for example, I tell myself I'm going to work out and I never work out and I keep eating, I keep eating and eating, nothing's going to change. I'm just going to be overweight and keep putting on weight and nothing's going to change. So it, it, the same with anything, bad habits. If I came back out on road and kept on doing road stuff, I'll go back in jail. Mm-hmm. So you need to change your mentality. So as I said, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. It'll be the same result. And then the other one is the quiet baby doesn't eat. Like, that sounds good. Explain that to me. I see LB like nodding his head, like, <laughs> giving your approval. Basically, with two babies, we're both hungry. You're just quiet. I'm like, ah! Mum walks in. Oh, he's hungry. You can give me food. You're going to sit there because yeah, you can yeah, show yeah. a rat. That's a good analogy. And the same thing that you can apply that to your adult life. Yeah. Because people always tell me, oh, you post 15, 16 times a day. You're always on social media. I'm like, yeah, I am promoting what I do. Yeah. I run my page like a blog. So yeah. I'll put some funny stuff out there, I'll put that. But in between there, oh, there's Hattie Football Club. In between there, here's my podcast. Mm-hmm. So subconsciously, I'm feeding you what I'm doing with everything else that's going around. And I'm talking about what I'm doing. Some people are like, oh, yeah, what do you call it? 
I'm doing the same as you. How come I'm not getting the funding? Yeah. I come. I say I talk about what I do. I'm yeah. not ashamed to say it. It's not an ego thing. Yeah. It's not an. But if I if if I've helped five kids get a job, I'm gonna t- guys. I've helped five kids get a job. Government, are you seeing this? I can help yeah. five kids get a yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Give me more funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, I can, so, so now yeah. I can get ten. So I can, I can get ten yeah. kids. Now I can get fifteen kids. Yeah. But people. Sometimes it's like fake humility, like, oh yeah, now I just do things in the background. No, talk about what you do because the quiet baby doesn't eat. No, that's, you know what, that's a sick and like, I really get that, like, especially when you said about just the crying, eh, you are going to think, oh, I've got to look after this one. Yeah. But coming where we're coming from, like you said, man would be like, I'm doing what you're doing, but I'm not getting that off. Oh, that's dead. I'm not like going to be out here like that. Man's not really on social media mm. and all that. Because I know you must have had those conversations you've had certain people from NCNI and oh, yeah, stop all that or mm. don't do this. And oh, that. mate. What's that been like for you? My brother will call me every couple of hours every day. Yo, take that story down. I'm like, why? This person's upset. I'm like, tell them to call me. Like, what, what are they mm. upset about? I'm not incriminating anyone. I'm telling stories that, especially when I started doing the murder stories, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a few where I say, okay, cool. Ah, take those ones down yeah. because it was some that were unsolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people that like, you know what? Those are unsolved. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear that being from the streets, cool. Others, people are just upset. Like, why what, what are you upset about? I'm I'm not, I'm not putting you in a bad light. I've not incriminated you. I'm not incriminating no one. I'm just telling stories from my perspective. Mm-hmm. I was getting bare calls from different people from Peckham saying, Oh mom is upset and so this person's upset. Well, yeah, it? yeah. So like, yeah. it's like this and that and that. At the end of the day, everyone will see the bigger picture sooner or later. And now it's like, you know what? We fuck what you do. I don't know if I like to swear on this or not. Yeah. But we, we, we like what you do. Yeah, yeah. We, we support what you do. But before, when, when you're the first to try and do something, people look at you like, what's my man doing there? What is he yeah, talking about? How does that make you feel though? Like, and I'm saying on a real, real, because mm. like you said, you were saying earlier about mental health and we don't talk sometimes as men and whatnot. How does that make you feel when you're thinking, hang on a minute, now you're begging it a little bit. Friends or no friends, you're begging it with me now and you understand what I'm doing. But you were on me, like, you were talking... No, but, but, but as I say, for me, that's, the, that's the, even the wrong word. It's not even begging it. For me, it's like coming to understanding and realisation. Because, like I said, when someone's doing something, you might not understand it. So you'll be mm. anti towards like, right, what's my man doing? What's he trying to do? When you realise it, all my whole thing is like, oh, they just didn't understand. No, now they understand it, it's cool. So I'm not going to say like they're begging it. So if someone wants an opportunity, I have a conversation with my missus yesterday about this as well. Like, about opportunities and helping other people out. Me, if there's an opportunity for there and I can help you with, and it doesn't cost me, and even if it does cost me, even if it doesn't, that's not crazy out of my pocket, I'll help and try to support you best I can. Even if you try to talk smack before, yeah, right? Because yeah. I believe in things happening naturally. Like, we got the maddest sponsorship deal coming next year, right? And when people see it, they'll be like, rah, how the hell did you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just through consistency and supporting. Like, for example, right? I'm coming on this podcast today, right? I don't know the view, the viewership it does. Yeah. You turn around and tell me, oh, it doesn't get that many views, right? But it's all right, because I'm helping to come support and help boost yeah. your channel. So more, you might be the person running um, BBC. Mm. And you remember, actually, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mama helped me when yeah, we yeah. was low. So yeah. I remember when I was low, when we was outside and not fundraising our buckets. Yeah. I remember, so whenever I see someone homeless, I always try to give money because... I remember we was out there with yeah, our buckets, yeah. they support our football club yeah. sort of thing. So I'm not going to turn around, I'm an angel, I'm not an angel. Like, yeah. the, 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 if it is things to say no, I'll say no. Yeah, yeah. But for me, if you can support and help someone, and I think it's also honesty, honesty in business, mm-hmm. honesty at all times. LB's right here, he'll tell you, me and him are meant to be working on a project. There's meant to be a fee around it, but these people are gone silent. Yeah, yeah. So I would never want them to feel like, right, actually, 
Bobby kept quiet about that thing. Wait, 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 I ain't heard for a little while. What's going on there? My boys told him. I said, as soon as I hear anything, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. I ain't heard nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm loyal yeah. in that sense yeah. that way. If I've told you something and I can do it and I can make it happen, I'll make sure you're part of it. But it's it's like that because then people, don't get me wrong, there'll be someone else who turn around and bump me and say, oh, you know what? But it's like, I know just through everything I'm doing, things are happening, doors are opening. We've got the biggest sports brand in the whole world sponsoring our football club. That's mad. Levels, it? So it's like, it's yeah. all about what energies you put out there. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I've done. So even that today, I had like, like three messages from three different people telling, oh, they're looking to start their football club. How can I help? How, yeah. what did I, so yeah. look, I can't give you money, but what I can do is tell you what I've done. Yeah. We went out like fundraising. Yeah. We went out doing this. We was on social media all day. We went to our local counsellors. And I'll give you the tools so you can uplift yourself as well. Today's episode is sponsored by 460, Nature Reserve, a brand with a purpose. If pros were fruit, 460 would be in the organic section. It's nutrition, not just food. We've had a quick costume change because <laughs> he had to go out, like he got an award or whatever, he got nominated for an award, so we've had to change. So I feel it's a bit weird. But anyway, so I was saying, um, what advice would you give to the younger youth? Most definitely patience, man. I wasn't patient enough. It was a thing that where I wanted everything now, give it to me now, instead of waiting. And I realised now in life, you work hard and you be consistent and just be patient, your time will come. So definitely that's the main advice I'd give myself. Where do you think that comes from? What made, what do you think when you look back, like, ah, oh, why you wasn't patient? Definitely peer pressure, because you're seeing this person got that thing, this person got that, you ask your mum, can I get these? Oh, wait. Like everyone's got these things now. Everyone's been the latest trainers now. Why am I having to wait? So it was definitely that seat, the peer pressure, societies, well, seeing other people with things and people saying, oh, look what you got, you ain't got this. So that was definitely played a, played a part in it. Yeah, you know what? Like I was having this, um, I was having a conversation with one of my pals the other day and we were saying, like, growing up, where we grow up, a lot of times it's about possessions. Yeah. So that's what makes you who you are. That's what makes you someone like, having that possession, I've got this car, or I've got these clothes, and it's something that you really hold dear. Yeah. So what's your, like, what's your thoughts on that? Like, because you're saying about peer pressure to get these things, but then when you get them, do you really value them? Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's not even, it's, it's like, it's not even that deep at all as well. When you really think about, okay, you want the latest trainers, you get them, you wear it once, twice, they're done now. So, so it's about trying to teach people that like, possessions, yes, possessions are great, you want to look nice, you want to have the latest things, but they're not that important in life, really and truly. The most important thing that like, you want to make be successful is can you provide for your family? You got a home to stay in, can you got food, you got shelter? That's the basic needs. Anything else is a bonus. But it's hard to see that when you're growing up, because growing up, it's all about status, it's all about wanting to be known on the road. Everyone wants to be the biggest gangster. We had the a lot of these guys in their forties and onwards now, they're thinking to like, rah, I've done all of that. Mm-hmm. I got this crazy status as this legend in the streets but I'm still living at my mum's house for example so like it's like it's crazy what we really value mm-hmm. alright so like you were talking about the prison sentence and whatnot, and I think a lot of times do you know what I mean people want to know they want to know that side <clears throat> so when you was in how do you think like when you look was you did you have a child at the time when you was yeah, inside? yeah 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 and how what was that like? Oh, it was hard, man, because she was born while I was in jail. 
And then I was briefly out, so I got to spend some time with her when she was 18 months, and I was straight back in jail again. But it was hard because, like, the first time ever your father, like, when we look at, we can look at human society, why are we here for? Is to continue the lineage. To create little at, bobbies. And yeah, but if, if you look at human society, you're meant to be here, you create more, and then the generations goes on. So for the first time that's ever happened in your life, you're in prison, and you see, and you're not, you're not experiencing, you're not, you're not there. So for me, it was, very difficult and then having to build that relationship with her later on it's not the same because now I see the difference because my daughter my youngest daughter I was there from the get-go I see when she came out I see her first walk I see when she's taught for the first time crawling going to um, nursery with my first daughter I miss all of that and it's it's a massive thing that you have to repair but it's not always going to be the same because it'll be like wait you wasn't there you chose to go to prison you chose that lifestyle of course we've got a good relationship now but we, you regret these things that you think, wow, oh, I didn't even play a part in her life at the very beginning, so it, it was hard. Yeah, and did, so when you say you regret those things, did you ever have a conversation with the mother of your child about that, like those regrets? Did you ever, did you ever share that? Did you ever speak to anyone about that? Yeah, or? I mean, I've, 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 I've said it plenty of times as well. It's like, I have so much time for single mothers because right now I'm in a relationship where we both do it together, looking after a child. So I can only imagine someone have to do what we do together on their own. Mm-hmm. And they see some mothers got three, four kids doing their own. That's fucked off. And that's why I can't stand, uh, what do you call it, men who don't play a part in there. Mind you, there are some who, I guess, they're going through the courts and so on, but don't let her be the reason why you can't see your children. If you can, go. some people are just lazy. They're not trying to make an effort. Mm-hmm. So for me, like I would tell her, like, right, you know what? You held it down. You look after my child. My, my child is 13 years old now. She's in year nine, going to be 14 next year. So I've got so much time for single mothers because it's hard. Like, we wake up this morning and the, younger, the youngest has to go to um, nursery. We're looking at each other like, oh, yeah, the yeah. alarm's going to, who's taking her? It's hard. And there's yeah, two yeah. of us in the house. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got so much time. So I, I let her know, like, yeah, that the work that she's done, is, it goes, it's very appreciated. And how do you think it affected your daughter? How do you think it affected your daughter, or, or like you say, like uh, the mother of your child? Like, how do you think it affected? With my them? daughter, with my, with my eldest daughter, we, we we have a good relationship. I tell her she can talk to me, talk to me about anything, and we, we she'll call me, we'll speak. She needs things, but I can see there is a vast difference between in terms of the relationship I have with her and the relationship I have with my youngest. And I wouldn't ever want her to ever resent that, because it'll be like, well, you wasn't there when it was my turn. You was in prison, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I always tell her all the time, like, anything you want, anything you need, let's talk. Don't get me wrong, she does wrong, she gets told off, she knows. If prison isn't a, a, a nice place to be, it, it, like, people, yeah. I made myself comfortable while I was in there, but it's not a nice place to be. And it hits people mostly at night time. During the day, you might be busy, you're working, you're in education, you're on the wing, you're playing table tennis. As soon as you lock that door, it's you and your thoughts. They're just there, lonely. Like, you'll cry sometimes. Because, like, and everything was going on. And at the point, my, one of the weakest um, moments for me in prison was when my brother got shot. You got shot in 2008. I was in prison. There's nothing I could do. Mm. There was nothing. No, he wants to speak to me on the phone. I'm trying to find out. But that's a bit selfish for me. Because yeah. I'm trying to say, what's going on? But no one's here for me right now. Because, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. someone's there. Someone's dealing with that. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, going to prison is, very, is a very selfish act. Because you choose to commit the crimes. 
that leads you. I mean, don't give me sometimes you might do something just by mistake. Let's, let's say um, as a manslaughter, you didn't mean to do something, yeah. something's happened, right? But a lot of time people choose to commit a crime knowingly, they'll end up getting in prison and the consequence that comes with it. So it affects a lot of people on the outside that we don't take it take it into consideration. And one thing I always say to myself, like, oh, thank God that my brother lived. Because had he died and I couldn't even be there and so on, that would have been that would have been on me all the time. I see a lot of times mm-hmm. with people where their parents or family members passed while they're in prison. So the last memory that your parents or whoever had of you was you in prison. That must that ah, shit that must feel. Mm-hmm. And then I know people as well where they couldn't even go to their cousin's funeral. They couldn't go to their uh, grandparents unless it's your immediate family unless it's your mum dad brother sister you're not going outside for no funeral so that's what people don't see it. and for me I had so many friends with dad when I was in there I couldn't even go to their funerals yeah that's peak so what was that because you said when you're all up and down the country what was the furthest that you went away oh they sent me to Camp Hill on the Isle of Wight yeah oh, what are you saying <laughs> visits scarce oh forget visits I didn't even bother because first of all must have to drive all the way to Portsmouth or Southampton already that's a good two and a half hour drive. Once you're there, you have to get on a ferry. That ferry, I don't know, maybe another 40 minutes or so. Get on that ferry, then drive down. Then you have to wait to get there. I told my people, forget it. And lucky for us, they closed down that prison and sent us all back to London. Because yeah. at that point, it was a bit peak. Yeah. I was someone that I'm calling my own company. Like, and at the point as well, like, when I was in a relationship, I broke it off because I couldn't deal with the stress of being in a relationship. Yeah. Prison makes you paranoid. She don't answer her phone once. She's thinking, right. She's just at work, finish yeah, late, yeah, or she yeah. having juice with her yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. But prison will, will bring out the worst in thinking of you, like, rah, nah, man, who's she with? Because back in the day, we, we, we've been there, right, where a girl had a guy who's in prison and you managed to cut you. So I'm yeah, thinking, yeah, right, yeah. who am I that someone might have to cut you? So I, I didn't <laughs> want to have that on my mind. So I'm like, you know what? It's cool if it's meant to be, it will be when I come yeah. out while I'm in jail. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you said, like, you're comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Do you still feel like that? Obviously, he was awake for a long time. Yeah. So, like, now being in the outside world, are there times when you still feel like that? What's the effects that it's had on you when, you, when you're doing your day-to-day? Because I'm sure everyone sees, oh, Bobby Kasanga on the internet, doing yeah, this, yeah. doing that, football, like, do you know what I mean? All this stuff going on to, to the outside world and to yourself. There's a lot going on. Yeah. But what are the effects? Or can you still see some of the effects that it's having on you? Or it's having... Listen, Brian's my friend from when he was 14. He was... He, he was he was on the road with me, right? And he didn't go through the whole path. He changed his life and so on and went the other way, right? He's probably the only friend from back in those days that I still hang with. If he's my business partner now as well. More times people see me like, yo, what's going on? I don't chew no one. Mm-hmm. I go to football and with the Monday at football, every now and then I might go to a party. Like when something's like there's, there's a Congolese rumba night tonight, my bedroom's event. I might go. Yeah, these Congolese <laughs> Now we've got football tomorrow, so yeah. I doubt that'll go, right? Yeah. But I'm not a man that's always in the right. I do my events, so people might think oh, I'm all over the place because I'm producing stuff, I'm doing events, mm. I'm doing workshops, I'm going to football, I'm doing the music. It's all work related. Besides that, I don't meet people up socially just to chill and hang around. I'm at home with my family. So that's what prison's like because while I was in there, wait a minute, you didn't come and visit me. You didn't send me no money. So why now I'm out, I'm going to be coming to hang around with you. And also, you're still doing things that we were doing back in those days. You're not changing. So why am I going to be in your car? We get pulled by police. Next thing, oh, yeah, I'm in prison because there was something in your car and you didn't want to admit that it was yours. Now, I can't snitch because that's the rules that we, we lead by. I must now go and sit in jail. So I take myself away from people I don't need to be around. It's as simple as that. And that's you're blatantly saying from being in prison, it just made you have that 
that mindset. Like, I'm not really trying to be around people. Yeah, I know he's been because there I, I, I've done eight years in there and you didn't visit me once. You didn't, you didn't come in and send me no post order. You didn't check on my mum. Mm. So why now when I come out? And also, when I've come out, I've not asked for any handouts. Mm. I've not said, yo, get me. There's going to be the one person that, like I said, Brian reached out and told me, I've got ideas to start this football club. Either, you know, I'll pay for the website they made. Yeah. And, and that, that's what I needed. So you know, they feel like, oh, I need you to do it. I just work behind the scenes by myself, working, working, working until we got, got where we are. So looking at just having a holistic view, looking at what's going on nowadays, like when you see the youth and obviously some of the work that you're doing, what is, like, for you, what's your perception of what's going on with the youth in comparison? Not to be that old guy, like, oh, when we were younger, we were doing that. When you're looking at what's going on now, what are the differences you say? What are the advantages, disadvantages? I'll say there's not much difference. The only difference is social media and uh, um, the visibility that everyone has. Back in the day, you're from Brixton, I'm from Peckham, me and you might fight. Everyone mm. heard about it. But it would die, not that it would die down, but it wouldn't go viral. Mm. And it, it might just go away in itself. Now, me and you have a fight, someone's recorded it. Yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. I can't take the embarrassment. Nah, yeah. Charlie beat me up, it's all over. I have to get it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one of the main differences I feel. And obviously, with the rise of I mean, there's always been gangster rap and people cussing each other, but I say with mm. the rise of dual music being sort of associated with the whole get back and revenge thing, that sort of push it to a higher sort of scale. Yeah, yeah. Like you think, oh yeah, I'm not like this, but we were all yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, we was yeah, all yeah, doing the robberies. We was all fighting. We was all carrying knives. But it's about now being in the position where you are, just say, yo, you don't need to do this. Yeah. Not everyone's going to listen. But for those who want, who, like it's very cliche, but if at least one kid hears, yeah, that yeah, one kid can be a teacher next, tomorrow yeah. and that teacher now has got 30 students that he's talking to. So yeah, yeah. it's about... It's a ripple effect. Yeah, it's a ripple it? effect. Yeah. So yeah, so I wouldn't say there's much difference, but everything's just more visible now. Yeah, no, I get that. And then you know what? You just made a point when you said about... Because I'm looking back when we were younger, like when you talk about like carrying a knife. Like I've had these conversations, I'm like, but it's so easy. I don't even know if it's peer pressure. It's just mm. like, we go on a school trip. Mm. We can buy knives. When we were younger, you could go Cali. Yeah. You could buy knives. I'm talking like literally, we buy knives. You're on a coach, so you're bringing it back. It's yeah. not even like customs like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's not, it's never the intention. I've got this knife. When I was younger anyway, I've got this knife and I'm going to go and stab yeah. someone. You're just like, oh yeah, we roll with knives. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you've always got that one friend that's like always trying, trying to bore to, you yeah, up. And you're yeah. like, it's not this. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think that sometimes when I look back in the past and I look at now, and even when I talk to young people, you don't even realise that you're doing certain things. Yeah. You're just doing it because that's what we do. Yeah. And then you end up getting caught up. Do you mm. know what I mean? So it's one of them. But <clears throat> another question I wanted to ask you, like, so with your podcast, right, it seems that, I don't know, I could be wrong, but from what I've seen, it seems like the majority of people that you, you interview are from the roads. Yeah. Let's say from that sort of background. Why did you want to shine a light on that particularly? It was even by accident, you know? So originally, when I was in prison, I wrote two books, right? It was based around what I'd been arrested for, the murder, right? And everyone wanted to know what had happened and so on. So I started writing the giving snippets on Facebook. And then everyone's like, no, the book is so hard. This needs to be a movie or... So but when I got out of the What made you want to write the book, though, anyway, in general? One of my bridges, I spoke to him today, actually, uh, P.I. Piggy. It was the HP ISIS. Yeah. And he must have written a book. One, and he said, oh, read this. I was in the story reading. I'm like, bro, this is I was just bored. I thought, you know what? Yeah, let, yeah. Me, let me write yeah, it as well. Yeah, I yeah. started doing it. And then everyone in jail started reading it. So when I've come out, people are like, hey, what happened to that book, man? You should, you should make that into a film, to a series, whatever. 
thought, right, cool. Then we got a bit of funding from the uh, lottery. So I thought, you know what? Let's get a youth project together. What do you mean you got a bit of funding? Like how? Tell me what, what, so you came out. How did you get funded? Oh, no. I mean, after we, we established a football club okay, for a couple okay, of years. Okay, cool. So we didn't be in a football club. So yeah, they've been yeah. doing our work. But we yeah, yeah. realised that not everyone wants to play football. Some people want to do music. Some people want to do drama. Yeah. So through applying, we got um, saying that we want to do football, drama and music to safeguard the kids and keep them off the streets and give them education mm. and so on. So we've got the funding. And as part of that, we decided to produce a drama series based around that incident to teach the young kids about the mm. lifestyle and how what comes with it, basically. How it can go wrong. And then... So to kind of tell the story of Peckham, how it was then, I want to kind of educate people. So I started doing the murder stories where I go, this is a story of Paul. This is a story of Mike. Yeah, yeah. And it all just doing different murder stories that happened in Peckham. Literally, I'll do like a, I'll make like a three or four minute video. So like, for example, I'll say, this is Paul. I'll show a picture of Paul. Yeah, yeah. He was from Peckham. I'll show a picture of Peckham or whatever state he was. He went to this school. Yeah. I'll show the picture of the school. So it's basically like a short video just detailing the story of that guy, basically three or four minutes. And then I was doing it for different murders and they just went viral. Like everyone was, then the page went from like... Well, you see, when you first started it though, so let's say, did you like, are these people that were your friends or the people that like, you could say, like, oh, I want to do this with you, X, Y, Z, or did you just do it? So there were people that I'd known. Mm. For example, when I done one on my first friend, Javier Crimes, like my close friend, right? Mm. Who's part of the, the first case, right? And then there's others where I know, and everyone I'd done in Peckham, I knew them on a personal yeah, yeah. level. It wasn't people I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Now, and then I thought, right, everyone's trying, everyone's learning and understanding. This time, the raver had come out from prison for yeah, a few yeah, years, yeah, yeah. and he was a, a name everyone knew in Peckham, but no one knew who he is. Never really spoken about. I was onto him for the first couple of years. Going, no, come, on, let me speak to you. Let me do a story about yeah. you. So he's like, nah, nah, nah. In the end, I'm like, let's do an interview. He's like, you know what? Let's do this interview. So literally was COVID. And I think everything works for me at a perfect moment because it's COVID. We're in lockdown. Everyone's at yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to do. So people are lapping up these videos. So when I done an interview with with uh, Raver, like around a thousand people tapped in on Instagram Live. I, I, my Instagram Live would normally have like eight or nine people sort yeah, of yeah. thing. So it's like everyone tapped in and I got it, put it onto YouTube and it got 32,000 uh, views in a couple of days. I'm like, yeah. Okay, that's mad. So yeah. maybe I should do more interviews. And for the back, I say, who should I interview next? So I've done Stanner from um, Walthamstow. Yeah. Then more and more people have done uh, Young Size. I've done fair Instagram Lives. And for the back of that, people say, you know what? These interviews are sick. But as things are opening, you should get a studio and get that properly. So they open things up. So I had a little studio in Woolwich that we still use now. So you see, my first videos weren't always great. I started actually kind of video people and then it just took off. And then I guess because of how I was doing it, what I was talking about, it was only right for me to actually interview people from the road mm. or who lived that lifestyle. But since then, I've had diverse people. I've had a, a, a lady called Waka. She's a black photographer who's done some photography with some of the biggest brands in the world. But no one knows her story. Mm. I said, you come. I mean, these videos don't get that many views. I think that one we've got like 4,000 views. But for the same time for me, it was yeah, like, like... see that, like you said, 4,000 views. To us, that's a lot, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> We're not all at your level, but yeah, carry on cracking. No, nah, but like, for, yeah, yeah, for, for, in comparison. Yeah, for me, it was like, compared to the other videos where someone will get 40,000, 50,000 views, hers had 4,000 views, but at the same time, you want to tell I'm not going to stop yeah. not telling these stories. So I've had that people who, like, had a teacher, Mark, who went through some madness and became a head teacher. Mm-hmm. And his one did, got, I think, like 10, 11,000 views at the time. But it's like giving voices to different people while at the same time I know the core audience 
want the rappers to call all this, wants the ex-gang members to call all this, wants the sort of criminal names and that. But at the same time, as you're diversifying, as you're growing, you need to change your all this oil. These people are all going to be there. Like BBC, they don't just make EastEnders. They'll make Holby City too. They'll yeah, make yeah, Casualties yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, They'll yeah, make... Yeah. So is that... Yeah. Can I cater for different people as well? So for me, this is the cash cow in regards to... These are what people want to yeah. hear. But let me interview this person because I've got a bad story that I, I, I personally like as well. Why do you think it's, um, we should shine a light on those characters that we're talking about, the because people we grew they, up with? Why do you think they need that, that platform? Because they have a story to tell that, for example... Not to sort of put them on that level, but the mafia, we all want to know. We all yeah, have yeah, an intrigue, yeah. right? And like, if you see my interviews, everyone says what they like about interviews because it's not just like, oh, so yeah, you was a bad man. And this is like, okay, how did you grow up? Did you live in a single parent household? How do you think that affected you? How was you at school? What was your dream? What was your aspiration? At which point did it change that you started to jump on the road? What was that actually? So therefore, a young person seeing that can say, oh, raw. Oh, this is what I need to look out for. Mm. Or a parent can see, okay, so it was this thing that made him change. So I've got kids, so now I can see, you know what, from watching that interview, I have to look out for this, I have to look out for that. Oh, so people who never been to prison, oh, so this is what happened in prison, oh, you know mm. what, fuck crime, I ain't doing crime. Yeah, ain't yeah, yeah. So that's the reason why, basically. Okay. So, like you said, the, like one thing that seems quite like prevalent is that you're adaptable. Yeah. Because you said about, Oh, I was doing it. I just done it. I went on a live and then it started building. It's going to sound a bit egotistical, but I am so creative. Like, I literally think of something and straight away I got an idea of making it happen. I said, everyone was in lockdown last year, right? Mm. And then literally I couldn't go to my mum's house to get some Congolese food. Mm. So I said, I put up a picture because I've got a bit of a Congolese following. I put a picture of Taba and the food. Oh, I said, I missed this, man. And bare people in the Congolese could be like, oh, what I'll do with some Taba now. <laughs> I said, Raj, I'm bringing you guys some. They were like, yeah, I said, it's going to cost this much. I started a food business, yeah. just like that. Yeah. Then everyone, from when Dappy started ordering it and Ambush ordered some tabba, and made other people say, I want some of that. So just about, people say, okay, do football, stick to football. But there's more to like yeah. this football. It's like, okay, only go to, on a holiday, when you go on holiday, only go to France. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole, a whole lot of Africa. There's Australia that no one talks about. Yeah. There's Brazil. I want to go everywhere. So it's about trying to have as many experiences in life as possible. And then when you're seeing those opportunities, knowing they are opportunities and yeah. rolling with them and just asking sometimes, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I feel sometimes for myself and I feel for a lot of others, maybe the pressures of society or people telling you, you can't do this, yeah. you can't do that. This is what you're good at. Do that. Sometimes it can hold you back. 100%. So it's like you're saying, seeing that opportunity, oh, food, people need food. Because obviously you've got this entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you're, you're diversifying and you're doing a lot of different mm. things. So the reason I'm, I say that to say this is for other people that may be hearing you, being able to say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. How do I do it? What's the tools? How do and I do it? And remember, I wouldn't even see myself as successful. I'll say there's still a lot more I need to do yeah. to make things sustainable and make things go. Like I'm someone that's jack of all trades, but you should always say it's not always the right thing. But you can absolutely do whatever you want to do in life. Just to be consistent. Do you think a lot of people see that though? And you know what I mean when I ask that question? Yeah. Do you think a lot of people, because they see the end product, yeah. they see Bobby Kasanga, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? They no, see but that. I told them. That's, what, I told them. I told that's them. what I'm saying. When I went to the, when I went to the um, No Behaviour, not No Behaviour podcast, uh, winning, Winners Talking podcast yeah. with Pound Sterling, and even on the 90s podcast, 90s baby podcast, 
I broke it down. I said, I was literally out there with a bucket, mm. knocking on doors. Hey, look, I'm starting a football club. I was cold. Like, oh, this is long, man. Then you look at the road. If you, oh, there's 100 doors down this way, 100 doors that way. You're going to knock on every single door. You're going to get rid like, You get demoralized, but at yeah. the same time, it's like, it's networking. You knock on someone's door and say, well, I ain't got the money to give you. However, I'll check you out. Cool. Mm. Then they check it out. I say, email. Oh, you know what? You was legitimate. I'm going to make a donation. What, By the... what, sorry, look, what made you have that drive to carry on doing that, though? Because it's like, quite easy. Oh, I, 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 I didn't want to go back to jail. I didn't want to go back to jail. Oh, like, the easiest thing for me is to go back licking boxes or call someone for a consignment. That's the easiest thing for me to do. But I said, no, I'd rather be on my grind. I'd rather work hard and do it through my own labour. I'm also, I'm also a man of faith. I mm. believe in God. I believe in being good. So it's like, are you going to continue being bad for end result or can you just say, you know what, let me just try and be good and, and see what comes with the goodness. And that's fruits of the labours right now. Don't get me wrong, it's not always been plain sailing. It's been yeah. hard times. It's been tough times. But even now, like, there might be a tough time next year if you don't get any funding, if you don't yeah. get what you call it. So you can't live just by, okay, we've got funding. We're okay now. Because that fund is not for you to live. That fund is for you to keep providing the service that you provided for the young people. So we have to keep doing and making as much noise as possible to get as much attention, to get as much sponsorship, as much funding. But ultimately, if it becomes sustainable, you can't always run to a sugar daddy um, fund and go, oh, we need more money. Because they look at you, okay, we gave you this money, but what have you yeah. actually done with this money? So it's like, can we use what you've given us and make ourselves sustainable in the long term? So one of the last things I want to ask, so... In terms of community, what are some of the projects that you've got going on now? Oh, mate, there's so many. Like, it's, it's like non-stop. So basically, uh, getting used into work. So uh, we've done a thing with Minute Media through the summer where eight of our young people through the back of the 32 Barrel Cup. Uh, so eight of the captains took part in finding that. What, what's that other field to football? Yes, we see the players, but what it is to be in the sports media I- industry? the videos, the photography, the interviews. So they've done that. So two of them now are going to get jobs from the back of the back of it. It's about us trying to get young people, get them off the streets, get them engaged in something and getting them into work, employment or education. But through the back of that, we do workshops in schools. We're going to prisons. Uh, we haven't been to prisons for a little while just because of the whole COVID yeah, thing. COVID, yeah. But we're going to prisons where we do... Uh, gangs and peer pressure workshops where we talk to them about you know what you're here for gang issues and so on but was it worth it when you come out what are you looking to do you, you ain't got nothing planned come on holler at us how can we help you how can we support you one of the biggest things we've got is our um, campaign grassroots for good which is CIC and basically that's us trying to teach other sports organisations to follow our model mm-hmm. say if you're a sports club don't just be a sports club you're actually you can be a mentor you can be a teacher you can be a place of opportunity and um, upskilling these young people because people are like, okay, I run a football club, kids finish football, go home. No, yeah. you finish football tomorrow, we're going to take you on a field trip to go and see something. Mm-hmm. So it's about trying to really diversify what services, sport, not just football club, but what, div- what uh, services sports clubs can provide because you don't realise how much importance young people put in you. Because think about it, even the trappers, even the gangsters, Stop doing what they're doing for a couple of hours to go and play football. So it shows that for a couple of hours, yeah. they're going to stop gangbanging. Yeah. They're going to put their guns down, put their knives down, they're going to put their drugs away to go and play football. How about now if I can give you football five days a week instead of only two days a week? Mm-hmm. So I know for those five days, you're not involved in that lifestyle. Oh, but why are you here? Oh, graphic design, I never thought about that. 
oh, this is how to learn. This is how we can teach you. So it's about just trying to upskill our community. Yeah. And what else? And then you've got the football team. So we've got the football team. So we've got um, 18 teams. We've got the men's team. We've got the women's team. Uh, got boys and girls from age six all the way through to adults. Um, they play semi-pro, the men's team. We've got a reserves league that we're starting this, this, this Sunday. And then uh, what else have we got? We've got the music channel because young people want to do music, so we've got a, a studio that we that we, we we hire out where young people can learn how to make music and so on. We've got the drama school where we went run that for a little while just because of the whole COVID thing. We're looking to bring that back in January again where they come and do drama workshops and create their own shows, create their own platforms, create and then let's do as much as we can, even with with our YouTube channel, getting young people to come and work with our YouTube mm. channel and that as well, and learning how to edit, learning graphic design learning how to put things together and create their own package and starting their own YouTube channels, just trying to upskill them. Okay, nice, nice. Things like that. There's a lot going on. So if you, like one of the questions I'll ask, so if you had a superpower, yeah, the one superpower, what would it be and why? It's always between two, you know? It's always been either going back in time or invisibility. Go on, explain a little bit about that. Going back in time, I love history. History's my favourite subject. Like, I'm a geek for history. Like, I literally love it. And especially anything to do with the universe, stars, planets. That's why I get mad when people come in their flat earth. What you call it? Like, shut up your flat earth stuff, man. So it's like, I'll go back to the times of the Aztecs, times of the Egyptian times. Like, just to see how people see lived, how, how life was. Yeah. The Tudor times, King Henry VIII and all that. I love history. So yeah. I just have to go back and see, oh, how did they live in this part of the world? What was going on here? So that will be my, my main superpower. Second one, invisibility. I just want to see what people get up to when you when you when you like. Oh, what does a queen get up to? Yeah. Like just every day, just sit at home and be like, "Hey, how you doing, Charles? You alright?" I just want to see that. What does Jay Z say to Beyonce when 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 they're at home watching a show? So like, just want to be nosy. Yeah, like, nosy. Just a nosy part of me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's oh, been it's been an absolute pleasure. Bro, appreciate, it, man. Nice man. Thank you, man. Yeah. Okay.